Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stuck in Self podcast. Today we're going to spend some time looking at the story of Job. It's a story that we could spend many weeks on. We're going to unpack several key points the Lord has laid in my heart. Let's talk a bit about context. The story of Job takes place in the Old Testament, and while the timing is not concrete, uh, the general consensus is that the story took place somewhere around 2100 BC. To put that in perspective, it's roughly 400 years after the flood and roughly 600 years prior to the law being given to Moses. So what does the Bible tell us about Job? Well, Job 1.1 1, 1, uh, refers to Job as uh, a blameless and upright man. He was blameless and upright. Um, he feared God and shunned evil. And uh, we know that he had a large, healthy family. Um, he was a wealthy man. And Job 1.3 says he was the greatest man among the peoples of the East. And um, through prayer, he was the, the intercessor on behalf of his family. I mean, this 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 guy was a, a, was in, in a upright standing with God. He was uh, just a just an overall good dude, um, you know. And and then after uh, uh, shortly into the first chapter of, of Job, where we're placed front and center for a conversation that takes place in the heavenly realm. Uh, so Job, if we look at Job chapter one verses six through seven. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Does, does this strike anyone else as odd, that, that, that Satan still has access to heaven among the angels and among God himself? It's, it's just an interesting picture of of the relationship that that satan has with with god i mean there's a few there could be a few reasons for this right like number reason number one satan pulled a, a fast one on god and snuck into his presence i mean not likely not likely um number two and the one you know that that seems to be the only other option is this was by design right the the um the Lord's response to Satan inferred that God knew that Satan was scouring the world for people to test. I mean, Job, Job one eight, it says, um, "Have you considered my servant Job?" Right. So, so God is offering up Job as somebody for Satan to go after, um, and it seems like this stuff happens all the time. I mean, this this could be, you know, myself, like Satan in, in heaven saying, "Hey, have you considered my servant Eric?" Hey, have you considered my servant uh, Andrew? Whatever, whatever your name is, like that. This could be something that that the the, the Lord has had a conversation with with Satan about about us uh, in our lives. Um, but Satan's response here is is pretty inter interesting and gives us a bit of insight into you know what the aspect of a spiritual blessing. So, reading from Job one um, verses nine through eleven. Uh, does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and surely he will curse your, you, you to your face. So Satan basically says, you know, who, Job? I can't even touch him. You have a hedge around him and his house. I'm not able, I'm not able to break through that. Right? So that we can see that that the, the spiritual blessing that that Job had 
Satan couldn't get through without God's permission, right? Satan needed to have God's permission to take away Job's holistic blessing from God. Then God gives Satan permission to have full access to wreak havoc in Job's life, but not to touch Job. Job's, all, Job's children are all killed, his livestock are stolen, and his house was brought to rubble, which clearly identifies the three uh, you know, main objectives of, of the devil— uh, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's that's really what the, the devil's intent is in our lives. Yet we find in Job 1 through... Uh, Job one twenty, Job chapter 1 verse 20. After finding out of this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Um... In verse 22 says, In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Right? So even even though all this has happened, God, Job did not sin. Like we, we clear, The Lord clearly gives us that in verse 22, that still Job has not sinned. Um, and Job remained faithful. You know, it's funny, you know, some days I have a small hiccup at work, and, and I feel distant from, from the Lord for some reason, right? You know, whether I have, uh, you know, well, anger well up or things didn't go my way, right? And, you know, I'm already, I'm already questioning things. You know, and Job has all this taken away from him, and yet his, he remained faithful. So it's just a bit of a gut check, I know, for me. Um, okay, so continuing on in Job. On another day, starting in, in chapter 2, on another day, the angels came to present themselves to the Lord, and it's pretty much the same case as the first go-around. But really, what we don't know how long, you know, between the first day that that Joe, that God and Satan had the conversation, and, and Satan took away all of Job's earthly possessions along with his family, we don't know how long it was between that and this this next day where uh, the angels come to present themselves before the Lord again, and. Satan and Lord have the same conversation. Satan says, I've been roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. You know, the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? And then it, the the different different conversation comes into play. Um, the Lord says to Satan in, in verse chapter 2, verse 3, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him with without any reason. Right. So the Lord acknowledges there wasn't there wasn't a reason, which is which is an interesting concept. But it's it's clearly outlined there in, in verse three. S- Satan replies in verse four, skin for skin, a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan. Very well, then. He is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So at this point, God gives permission for the Satan to get a hold of Job's body, but not to kill him. So we find in um, we find in verse... Uh, where is that? We find in verse 7, um, Satan went out and to the presence of... Went out from the presence of the Lord, afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Job then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat in among the ashes. His wife said to him, "Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die." He replied, "You were talking like a foolish woman. 
shall we accept good from God and not in trouble? And it says, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. So even after, the, you know, the the first episode where he, Job lost everything, and even now where Job is afflicted from head to toe with sores, um, he is still not sinning in what he said. He's, he says uh, to his wife, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And this is this is a, a good point on on the sovereignty of the Lord, right? If we if we believe that the Lord is in control of all things of our life, you know that includes the good times and the bad. It's not just a just not a gravy train from the time we turn our lives over to the Lord until the end. You know, there's ups and downs. There's there's trials that that shape us, that define us, and you know uh, through. Um, and through those trials, Christ prunes the, the the bad parts of us and makes us more spiritually sound as we move move forward in our in our walk with Him. Um, but you know, even in this, and in, in His wife saying, "Just just curse curse God and die," like just just get it over with. He was still he was still faithful. And then we come into a, an interesting part about Job's friends, right? So Job's we're we're told in chapter two, verse eleven. Um, Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, um, they came to, they, they heard about all the trouble that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and they met together by agreement and go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust in their heads. Then they sat on the ground for him for seven days, with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. I mean, seven days and seven nights is a long time. I mean, that's that's a long time to be sit there in silence. Um, you know, 15 minutes, I'm on, you know, getting uncomfortable and need to start talking about something. But seven days and seven nights, it must be a dire situation. And then we get into Job 3. And this starts a back, Job, chapter 3 starts a back and forth between Job and his friends at last many, many chapters throughout Job. And we're not going to go into detail about all of them. But I, you know, I would encourage you to read um, all of these, the book of Job on your own, and all these interactions. But what we'll find, you know, is this first, um, Job 3, Job laments the day that he was born and wishes he had never lived. But he doesn't really lose it towards God. He's putting out his feelings towards the situation. You know, he he's just he's um, airing his grievances to God. Like, you know, in, in that situation, he he was just bearing his heart to the Lord. Um, and uh, in Job four, his his first friend Eliphaz speaks and really lays into Job. You know, gives him the works. And the summary of of Eliphaz's um, response in in chapter four can be summarized in 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 chapter four verse seven. Consider how, or consider now, who, being innocent, has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? Now, um, the gist of that is really, Job, you must have sinned, because why else would you, would this be happening to you? Uh, but the problem is that God said he hadn't sinned. I mean, there's many different references so far that is to say that, that God still considered Job upright, even through all these things he did not sin. So, if he didn't sin, but Eliphaz is saying, hey, who being innocent has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? Those two don't match up, right? So there, there has to be something else here. Um, you know, it's it's like the, um, 
it just it just doesn't match at this point. And Job replies in in chapter six, saying, "You know, you've really been no help at all. Actually, just adding insult to injury, right?" Um, you look at uh, chapter six, verses fourteen through twenty-one. Let's see. Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow, when darkened by thawing ice and swollen with melt melting snow, but that stop flowing in the dry season, and in the heat vanish from their channels. Caravans turn aside from their routes, they can go off in the wasteland and perish. The caravans of Tema look for water, the traveling merchants of Sheba look in hope. They are distressed because they had been confident. Now... They arrive there only to be disappointed. Now you too have proved to be of no help. You see something dreadful and are, are and are afraid. So his next friend steps up to the plate um, and goes next in chapter eight with his his response. Um, and really. You know, Bildad lays into him just as much as Eliphaz, and and even goes to the point of, of saying that that Job's children died because of their sin, right? And and again, um, pretty much the the something bad you had to do something bad in your life for this to happen to you, right? Um, you know, and I think that that Bildad, I, I thought he was off to some good advice in in Job chapter eight verses four through six when he said. When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will seek God Almighty earnestly and plead with the Almighty, even if you are pure and... Sorry, verse verse 4. When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf... And restore you to your prosperous state. That you know, it it sounds that message sounds good, right? Um, but you know, it really, again, it comes back to the square peg round hole. We can't. How do you, how do you justify that that message when God has already said there's no there's there was no wrongdoing here. So, um, you know, really, it's just it, it's it, it's this is the prosperity gospel wrapped up in a nutshell right? If you do good, good things will happen to you. It's like karma, you know? If you're good, good things will happen to you. If you're bad, bad things will happen to you. That's, it's, it, that's not the case, though. You know, God's sovereignty is, is, is just that. It, it, he's sovereign in the good and the bad. In, in the midst of the trials, uh, in the valleys, in the mountains, he's, he's faithful and in control. Um, but we see Job respond um, in chapter 9. Actually, let me back up. Job chapter 8, verse 20. Another another noteworthy noteworthy verse here. This is this is Bildad talking to, to Job still. Surely God does not reject the one who is blameless or strengthen the hands of evildoers. What do you guys think? Does he strengthen the hand of evildoers? I, I mean, obviously, it, it, it some, at some points, yes. You know, you think of people like like Hitler, Stalin, or or any of the you know people that are just real evildoers. Let let alone you know murderers, rapists, drug dealers, like things like that. I mean, at at in some levels they are they are being uplifted in their evil, right? Um, 
now at the end that you know i believe that they'll perish but you know there's still there's still an element of that you know bad people do you know good things happen to bad people just like bad things happen to good people and then so let's let's take a look at chapter 9 when job responds um job's response in chapter 9 is really um really saying okay bill dad well thanks that's great and all but how would I even get to God to plead my case, right? So, you know, at this point, you got to remember, Jesus did not, Jesus, the Messiah, did not come and tear down the veil um, for us to have direct access to God, right? Um, this was before that, and even actually before the law uh, was was given to Moses. So this is this is Job uh, lamenting that to to Bildad. Um, and and we see, you know, remember before all of this, Job has not Job has not sinned against God in anything that he said. But we see we see something starting. We see the tide starting to turn in Job chapter nine, like especially verse uh, sixteen through eighteen. It says, "Even if I summoned him and he responded, I do not believe he would give me a hearing." This is this is Job talking about the Lord. Even if I summoned him and he responded, I do not believe he would give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm and would multiply my wounds for no reason. He would not let me catch my breath, but would overwhelm me with misery. Now, I guess I see there, there's two sides to this. You know, Job is Job is just going based off of prior actions here, right? This is what has happened to him so far. But also, he's impl- he's starting to imply motive, God's motives against him, right? And anticipate his will against him, right? And I think that this is where... Um, this is this is where things get things get rough and and we where Job starts to take a wrong turn. Um, and we look at and we go into chapter ten. It, it's you know chapter ten gets a little bit more dicey as well. Um, Job ten three. Does it please you to oppress me? This is Job talking to God still. Does it does it please you to oppress me to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? And this is this is directed to God. And Job ten twenty. He's looking for God to leave him so he can enjoy his last moments before going to hell. Let me let me read Job chapter 10 verse 20 for you. Are not my days almost over? Turn away from me so I can have a moment's joy before I go to the place of no return, to the land of gloom and utter darkness. You know, Job is 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 giving in to, you know, the lie of the enemy. I mean, how many times you know, suicide is so prevalent in today's world, and really, it's 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 the it's God, it's it's Satan. It's it's Satan coming in, into your mind and saying, "Hey, things will be better if you're gone. Hey, things will, you know, everything will just be okay if you're just gone. You're the cause of all this, and it's 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 you that's the issue, and you need to go." Um, and 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 just like that, um, you know on a on a different note that ultimately ends up in death satan also comes into your mind you know uh, and says hey why don't you go do this thing that you know is wrong but it's going to be fun right it's going to be fun and it's going to be enjoyable um but you know on the inside we know that it's ultimately going to lead to death that's the situation that job was in there you know he says he's looking for a, a way out that god can turn his his face away from job just so he can have a moment's peace before he actually dies and goes to the hell, like what he refers to as the dark place. 
Um, sometimes the, the devil masquerades as your greatest comforter. He will put his arm around you and say, you know, it's going to be okay. Let's just go do this. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for you. It's going to make you happy, right? It's just, just a terrible lie. All right, so let's let's look forward at, at Job chapter 11. Um, in, in Job chapter 11, Zophar, sto- Zophar starts to point out that Job shouldn't question God. So if we look at uh, verses 7 through 8 in chapter 11. Uh, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you prove? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? So even Zophar is t- like almost taking a step back and saying, "Job, I I wouldn't say those things about God if I were you. I wouldn't imply a motive. I wouldn't, you know, assume what His will is for you in, in the situation." Um, and then he, and then Zophar really just goes back to the prosperity gospel in verses 13 through 19. Uh, so jo, uh, chapter 11, verses 13 through 19. Yet if you devote your heart to him and you stretch out your hand to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your, your tent, then, then free of fault you will lift up your face. You will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be broader, brighter than noonday. And darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid. And many will court your favor. Again, saying, you know, if you just, if you just don't, like, repent of the sin that caused all of this, you know, whatever it is, you'll be, you'll be fine, right? Um, And and again, the, here, here's the thing. Repentance is is a critical piece of the Christian life. Uh, when when the Holy Spirit is is convicting you of of things in your mind that you need to repent of, when you commit sinful acts, when you um, you know when when Christ is going through the process of pruning off the the branches so they can grow back stronger, right? Repentance is that key. It's the it's the it's the the great you know, equalizer that keeps keeps the sin out of your life and keeps um, keeps the the righteousness of, of the Lord in you, right? Um, but in this case with Job, there's nothing there's nothing to repent, and the Bible's clear about that. Um, in in Job, and then let's look at Job twelve. Um, in Job twelve, he seems to be having an internal battle between understanding that God is sovereign in all things and questioning his motives. So Job. Job chapter 12, verse 13 through 16. To God belong wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. So that, that's Job acknowledging in verse 13 that, that God is sovereign above all things. What he tears out cannot be rebuilt. Those he imprisons cannot be released. If he holds back the waters, there is drought. If he lets them loose, they devastate the lamb. To him belong strength and insight, both deceived and deceiver are his. So that's, you know, that's Job acknowledging god's sovereignty in all things um you know but as we as you go back you know throughout these next chapters and i'll skip around a bunch here but it's it's job going between sovereignty god's sovereignty and questioning his motives right and questioning god's motives let's look at let job uh, chapter 16 verse 9 Uh, let's see god assails me and tears me in his anger and gnashes his teeth at me my opponent fastens on me his piercing eyes. 
right? So again, there's there's the the questioning of the motives and attributing anger to to God in this situation. Um, here's an you know Job twenty one, um, Job chapter twenty one. He laments about the the wicked prospering and wishes that God would repay them for their wickedness. Anybody else ever been there? You know, this is the age old good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. You know that there there's certain things we're just not going to understand. You know, um, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, but what, what we do know is that that God is sovereign in all things, the good and the bad. Right? That's we you, you can't just take the good and you can't just take the bad. Like the the good and the bad are are both His. So thus far, Job has called it God in anger in a situation and questioned God's motives about treating the wicked. Um, and then Job has an interesting, um, you know, turn about wisdom in, in verse you know, or in chapter twenty-eight rather. Um, I, I'm not going to read it all specifically um, at, right now, but it, it's it's a good good talk about where wisdom is found. For example, here's verse um, verses twelve through fourteen. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal can comprehend its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. The sea says, it is not in me. Um, and at the end, the, the the verse 28 of chapter 28 says, And he said to the human race, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. So a good good sidebar there. You know, the, if we want wisdom, fear the Lord. We want understanding, shun evil. That's, you know, pretty plain and simple to me. Um, Job 29. So Job maintains his innocence in the whole ordeal, but I feel like the damage has already been done because his questioning of God's ways already caused issues. Um, And then we get get to Job 32, Job chapter 32. And this is where um, uh, Elihu speaks. Elihu uh, was like a younger, younger man than than the three of the the friends um, that had already given Job uh, counsel, um, and, and I just I just love uh, Elihu's spirit uh, in this. It seems like he's bursting at the seams, wanting to bring forth the word from God. I mean, let's look at let, chapter thirty-two, verse verse seventeen. Um, so this is this is Elihu getting to speak. He says, the, the, "Let me go back to the introduction." I'm sorry. So, the introduction of Elihu in, in verse um, six. So Elihu, son of Barakal, the the Buzite said, "I am young in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not da- daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. But is the spirit? But is the spirit in a person the breath of the Almighty that gives him understanding?" It is not the only the old who are wise, not only the age who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me. I will tell you what I know. Um, and he says, I too will have my say. I too will tell you what I know. For I am full of words, and the spirit within me compels me. That's just great. And and then in in Job thirty three, um, it's particularly in in verse eight. Um, I'm sorry, not 33, not 38, but it's through chapter 33. 
Um, Elihu brings the charge of finding fault in, or Job's finding fault in God's ways, right? Um, and let's take a look at um, 33 verse 14. For God does speak, now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings, to turn them from wrongdoing and to keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. I think this is an interesting picture of, of how God continues to speak to us um, you know, in dreams and visions. When deep sleep falls on people, he may speak things to keep them from wrongdoing uh, or even give you know folks a, a dream or a, a vision of, of you know what what God's will is for their life so I, I truly believe that that God continues to speak in that way so um, you know it gets interesting here where Elihu, Elihu, Elihu um, continues to charge job uh, with wrongdoing through the prompting of the spirit. Let's look at chapter 34, verses 12 through 13. Uh, Elihu says, saying to Job, It is unthinkable to think that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. N not good things to hear if you're on the receiving end of, of this conversation. Let's look at chapter 35, verses 9 through 16. People cry out under a load of oppression. They plead for relief from the arm of the powerful. But no one says, Where is God my Maker? who gives songs in the night, who teaches us more than he teaches the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds in the sky. He does not answer when people cry out because of the arrogance of the wicked. Indeed, God does not listen to their empty plea. The Almighty pays no attention to it. How much less then will he listen when you say that you do not see him, that your case is before him and you must wait for him? And further, that his anger never punishes and he does not take the least notice of wickedness. So Job opens his mouth to speak with empty talk. Without knowledge, he multiplies words. Again, not not a good thing to hear from from Elihu. Um, let's look at chapter 36, verse 26 through 33. How great is God beyond our understanding? The number of his years is past finding out. He drops the he he draws up the drops of water which distill as rain to the streams. The clouds pour down their moisture and abundant showers fall on mankind. Who can understand how he spreads out the, the clouds, how he thunders from his p pavilion? See how he scatters his lightning about him, bathing the depths of the sea. This is the way he governs the nations and provides food in abundance. He fills his hands with lightning and commands it to strike its mark. He's, his thunder announces the coming storm, even, as the, even the cattle make known its approach. So really... Eli, Elihu is, is just kind of teeing up and just reminding Job, you know, what, like we're talking about God here, the creator of everything, the creator of the whole earth, the, the, the systems in which, you know, the storms come, water comes, food comes, um, you know, how, how we continue to have life at all, you know, and... Just, just really putting into perspective Job's situation in light of everything that God is doing throughout the entire world, and I think that's a very important point um, to to have that that view and that perception of of your situation. While it it may feel uh, completely overwhelming to to you in your own life, 
you know, having the perspective that God is sovereign and that God is in control of the the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Um, we have to trust him to, to, and know that he's going to uh, work all things together for our good. So chapter 37 continues, um, you know, with Eliehu prophesying with his whole heart. Um, now, what's what's interesting is that, in, you know, chapter 37 um, is Eliehu talking about, you know, um, like a storm brewing, really. Um, you know, let's look at chapter 37 with a starting out. It says, At this my heart pounds and leaps from its place. Listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. And it keeps going through this in chapter 37, verse 15. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang poised, those wonders of him who has perfect knowledge? You who swelter in your clothes when the land lies hushed under the south wind, can you join him in spreading out the skies, hard as a, a mirror of cast bronze? And, and then, you know, again, just just really laying into Job. Um, you know, who who gives you the right to to question God's authority in any of this? You know, what are, are you going to help him maintain the earth really, and and maintain the earth's operations on a daily basis? And and then look at chapter thirty-eight. The chapter 38 starts out with, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. So, two things. Chapter 38 is the Lord speaking directly to Job. Eliehu is no longer speaking. Or Elihu is no longer speaking. And it says, talking to Job out of the storm. So there has to be a storm happening right now. And I can just imagine in chapter 37, when, when Elihu is just you know shifting into overdrive and is prophesying, that this storm is just brewing in the background and Job's just kind of looking at Eliu and the background is just kind of like deepening into fear and and just trembling in what's about to take place. And chapter 38 is is God speaking out of the storm. You know, have you ever felt small? Has has anyone that's listening ever had, you know, an open mouth insert foot moment? This takes the cake in my opinion. This this lashing from from the Lord to Job is 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 more than anything I can think of. Um, I'm going to read chapter 38, verses 1 through 11. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set, or who laid its cornerstone, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the cloud its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, This far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Um... You know, it just it keeps going. I mean, verse verse eighteen. Have you have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. So, you know, God is just you know going to Job. Hey, listen, if if you know this, speak up at any time. You're right. If I'm, you know, feel free to feel free to interject here if you if you if you think I'm saying anything wrong. It's just it it, it the humor in this is 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 hilarious. It says, um, 
What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take can you take them to their places? Do you know the path to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years, Job. Again, just I, I would hate to be in Job's position right now. And you know, in verse, uh, where is it? In chapter forty, uh, Job has the opportunity to answer. It says, "Then in verse three, then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more." And then the Lord continued down to in verse in chapter forty, uh, and you know, there's there's a lot here, but. Um, in chapter 40, verse 8, the Lord says, Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Boy, that that one that one really stuck with me. The, the, the Lord saying, Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? You know, how many times have, have we had a shortcoming in life and we're all too quick to condemn God in order to justify our own thoughts and make it fit rightly in our human minds? Right? It's... It's cool. It's 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 sad sometimes how quickly we we throw away the sovereignty of God in favor of just you know complete logical understanding of a situation in our minds when in when in reality you know we're called to submit to the will of God and the will of God again means you know good things are going to happen and bad things are going to happen you know but we shouldn't be we shouldn't be discrediting God in order to have our own peace of mind and to justify ourselves. When we question God and his motives, we are condemning him to justify ourselves. So, through throughout all this, Job replies um, in chapter 42, um, where it goes over Job's repentance um, to the whole situation about, about you know, applying motives and, and will to, to God. Um, you know, and it... What really spoke to me is, you know, in chapter 42, verse 5, where it says, My eyes had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. But verse 5 specifically, My eyes have heard of you, but now my my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. You know, that, that really sticks out in my own personal testimony. Right, growing up, you know, specifically, I heard about God and I heard about Jesus. Um, I heard the stories, but... You know, I never, I never saw it, and it wasn't until, you know, I had lived my life my own way and drove my own life down into, you know, uh, a pit of just selfishness and, you know, a path of destruction for myself and my family, that that I really had an encounter with Jesus and, you know, decided to turn my life over to Him and realize, listen, I've tried it every way I could. I am ready to to submit to you and do it your way. So my eyes had, my ears had heard of him, but now my eyes had seen him and am following him still. Um, and and after, so so what what are the, what are the takeaways from this? Um, just just a few before we wrap up here. Um, God allowed Satan to test Job because he was righteous, not because he had sinned. Um, this is biblical proof that not all afflictions are are due to a sin in our lives, right? So that's that's just that's that's key, and it's something we have to to realize. Um, and let's learn from Job. Uh, patient endurance is what God expects through tests and, tests and trials. Um, 
if we look at uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, um, they, uh, they give a good picture of, of patient endurance. Um, so, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, you know, we should we should consider it pure joy when we have these trials in our lives. And, and I know, I know what you're thinking. You know, Job had a rough go at it. You know, he... He lost his in all of his children, all of his is his house, all of his possessions, all of his money, his his livestock gone, right? How, how are you supposed to be joyful in that situation? I know, this that's this is it, it's it is a it is a tough pill to swallow, but the 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 joy that we have is not supposed to become from our own human effort, but but from the Holy Spirit that that dwells within us. So, again. Let's learn from Job. You know, being a young, uh, the younger brother, um, I always felt it fitting to to learn from um, my older brother's mistakes. Right? If I saw him get in trouble to doing something when, you know, growing up, I was like, okay, if I just don't do that, I won't get in trouble. And you know, it served me well um, growing up. But let's let's do that from Job. We we saw what he went through and and where where God truly did get angry with him uh, near the end, and really what. What we learned there is is just to have patient patient endurance. Um, that's what God expect. Um, and we see, you know, pride crept into Job Job's life through his questioning of God's workings. You know, the implication was that Job knew how to do it better than God, right? This is a a, a stark reality. You know, we we saw God's res- response to this pride, even considering Job's dire situation. So. You know, again, Job had a terrible situation, and we saw pride creep in, you know, through the aspect of questioning God's motives in his life. And, you know, that pride from that situation, you know, almost feels justified, you know, if you look at it, um, but it wasn't, you know, and we look at our own lives and we say, you know, you know, why did I not get that promotion? Why, why is... Um, you know, my son or daughter not doing, doing well in school. Why is, you know, why X, Y, Z not, you know, there could be a myriad of things going on in our own lives, maybe, maybe outwardly things or, you know, things happening mentally between our own two years, right? And we start to question God and his motives. Well, really just, we, we need to be aware and that that is pride. That's pride coming in and saying, we can do it, we can do it better than God. Like, and that's something you need to, you need to repent of, um, and, and acknowledge and, and get it and turn it over to Christ so you can be on a clean slate again, because that's something that's just going to come in and pride is going to continue to fester the longer, the longer it goes unrepented. So, um, yeah, in, in conclusion, I I think this is just, uh, it is, it was a message I needed to hear, right. As a, as a relatively new, um, you know, Jesus follower, I, I, you know, again, I called myself a Christian for, since I was growing up, but, you know, never really, I guess, walk the walk or talk the talk until probably, I guess it was September of last year. So, um, you know, as a new Christian, you know, it's when, when I remember the, you know, the, the first couple of weeks, months, 
you know, living uh, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it's, man, it's just, it's a completely different way of doing things. And there's, it's, there's a lot of joy all the time. And it's a, you know, cause just cause it's a new way of, way of life and you, and you're so thankful for the saving grace of Christ. And then some, you know, just the, the way the Christian life is and the way life works out, there's, there's ups and downs and we have to learn how to trust um, Christ through those. And just the, the example that, that Job gives for us, you know, uh, allows, you know, me on a daily basis to really put my situation in perspective and say, if this is what, how Job reacted, this is how Job res- or God responded to Job, you know, that that's, you know, a picture of how I should respond to the, you know, my troubles, patient endurance. And, and also that even throughout all that, uh, Job repented at the end and was, you know, God returned his, his possessions, uh, Twice, I believe. I'm, I'm, I just closed my Bible, but I think it, uh, twofold. I think you were, you know, restored Job's possessions. Let me, let me turn there real quick, so I'm not speaking false information here at the at the end of the the podcast. <clears throat> oh, here we go. So after, let's see. The Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed to his first friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. So yeah, he restored everything twice back because of uh, his his patient his in his his patient endurance in the beginning and his repentance to his sins at the end. So um, you know all that. I hope it's an encouragement to you. I hope this this message is an encouragement. Um, and feel free to. You know, if you have questions, if you if this is still foreign to you, if they, you'd like to to talk more about what it means to have a relationship with Christ and what it means to really put God at the center of your life and um, make Him the Lord of your life and live live for His will, um, feel free to reach out to me via my website www.stuckinself.com. Um, that's also a place you can refer your friends to to, to as a as a launch point for. To look at the, the website content, like I said, get in contact with me or also view pa- this podcast and, and also past podcasts. So um, with that, um, uh, hope you all um, got something good out of this and uh, we'll talk to you in, in the coming weeks. Thanks.